Welcome to this week's episode of the Endless Stream Podcast. I'm Aiden. As usual, I'm here with Kevin and Brian. We are three illustrators, animators, filmmakers, all-round shit-talkers who are going to take some of the endless stream of content given to us by Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, Spotify, Crave, Hulu. We're going to take a chunk of it, we're going to watch it, and we're going to talk about it. This week we're focusing on Resident Evil 8, I think, is out, and we're talking about Jupiter's Legacy. Given the nature of these conversations, they're very spoiler-heavy, so if you're worried about that sort of thing, maybe go off and watch Jupiter's Legacy and come back and join us. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast and maybe giving us a follow on Instagram or Twitter. All of our socials are at The Endless Cast. We've got illustrations on there that go along with every episode, so it's a way to see some of the additional content that we put out with the with the podcasts. All that being said, let's hop straight into the episode. Hope you enjoy it. So the first thing we should probably address is Speed Racer yet again. Let's bring that back up and talk about it. <sighs> I've had I've I've had some people watch uh, Speed Racer since we've been talking about it, and they all absolutely love it and say that Kevin is wrong. Well, yep. Uh, I was with friends last week, and one of our friends, Tara, she loves it. She thinks it's great, uh, which doesn't surprise me. I think she's been brainwashed by ye brutes, but uh, it's an awful movie. One of the listeners wasn't entirely certain whether or not we were fucking with yeah, you. Yeah, my brother, yeah, he uh, he he listens to the show and he wasn't too sure. He thought you were fucking with me. He thought you were trolling me. The funny thing is, listening back to the conversation, like, we are so enthusiastic and we are enjoying the conversation that it could seem like we're fucking with you. And when I went to put a title on the episode and asked for a subtitle, like, my first thought was the gaslighting of Kevin McNamara. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. I'm sincerely a fan of that film. I, I understand people's uh, criticisms and complaints, but I just, I do enjoy it. I see what they were trying to do. I did that drawing during the week for it, you know, for fun. And uh, I actually enjoyed doing it. Doing it. Uh, the drawing the actually was fun to do because I just tried to do something different. But uh, that's probably the, my, my most par- uh, positive takeaway experience from the whole thing. And Brian just silently loves it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, nothing else to add. I like I I I get why people um have a reaction to it. It's just it's what what I do like about it is that like it it's it does exactly what it set out to do, and you know that like there's you, there's stuff in it where it's like yeah they they intended for it to look and feel and play this way, and there's there's other films that maybe you know. You know, maybe five minutes in a scene, like like for example, maybe I, I haven't watched it yet, but I, I've seen just the opening scene. But like Mortal Kombat, you know, that opening scene that they released online probably sets the tone for what they were trying to do for the whole film. And then the rest of the film doesn't match it, not just in terms of like plot or anything, just in terms of the the look, the feel, the tone, and everything is kind of all in there. And then I think a film kind of lives or dies by how well it kind of. Executes yeah, the like, thing I, that's setting I, I think that's do. fair enough. Like I do think that I do think that's fair enough, and like kind of you know as well that like I like I'm not I'm not I'm not saying Speed Race is a bad movie. I I didn't like it. No, you a hundred percent said Speed Race is a bad movie. You a hundred percent said that. Speed Race is garbage. I think yeah. we recorded yeah. the conversation. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, I will insert a quote here. If they set out to make a shit movie, yeah, then I agree. They did do a great job because it's really shit. 
However, I can appreciate what you'd like it if you get me. I know that sounds really weird, but like, but it's just because. But see, the thing is, you see, I know I like really bad movies. I just wouldn't recommend them to people because they're awful. And I think people who have listened to the <laughs> podcast last week are definitely going to go in more informed and probably less <laughs> with less expectations. I might enjoy it a bit more, but uh, like I like. I like bad movies and when movies set out kind of to do a certain thing and it works and like it might just it might like it's like kind of um for example give him helm alone with thomas jane right that has so many tropes okay you're gonna have to i'm i'm aware of thomas jane i'm aware of him doing the punisher's laundry tell me about give him helm alone give give him helm alone is a movie where he's like a kind of hard-boiled alcoholic troubled detective private detective type of thing and uh, like he drives like a, a a what is it, like a Chevy, a Chevy top chop Buick or something like that? Uh, kind of a classic car. He has the fedora and the tie and the trench coat and all that kind of stuff. And he has he drinks whiskey and like there's characters in it, villains that are just it, awful. Is it is it like a thirties forties thing or is it contemporary? Uh, no, it's modern. It's contemporary, but it's it's it has yep. like all that kind of tropes. Yeah, yeah, like it's that vibe. It's it's, it's yeah. very Dick Tracy. But it's, it's not that era. It's like yeah. it's it's neo noir, like the sort of yes. Like, yeah yeah um give him hell alone again like i'm not i'm not recommending people to watch it because it's awful i loved it you know yeah. uh, but i just wouldn't subject people to it but i i understand that like thomas jane he went out they obviously set out to kind of do something like this and it's a bit mad but i loved it uh but uh speed racer whenever whenever i think sorry this is a complete aside but when like whenever i think about film noir detective gumshoe type things now i think back to like there's a book i read that he's actually getting turned into a movie, but it looked at how disorganized, decentralized, and kind of ineffective the American police force was in the 1800s up to the 1940s. And how the if somebody went missing, if somebody got murdered, if something weird happened, you couldn't necessarily ask the police department near town to look into it in the next state or to follow around the place. So, like, weird. private detectives huh. just became... That doesn't sound like today at all. Well, but it's just private detectives became an alternative policing, and that's why it became oh. such a oh, prolific okay. genre and a, a centralized thing. It's like it kind of mm. was your option for a lot of legal pursuit. But I've 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 taken this off on the side. I always think about how weird that was and how there's an element of that not being as prevalent today because people don't go and hire private detectives. But they do though, because to be honest, that I know of. They do, yeah. I mean, I was say, how many times okay. have you watched? Because I watch a lot of true crime stuff, and uh, I ch- I watch an Irish guy on YouTube called That Chapter. He's very, very good. And a lot of the times when people have been murdered and stuff, and it, it kind of the case has been cold or it's kind of closed, uh, families hire private investigators constantly, and they're always like ex-military, ex-policemen, you know. And it's funny well, that maybe I'm full of shit. But no, it's just it's just no. It's, it's an interesting point because obviously I won't say it's you are more prevalent because movies and kind of culture and stuff at, at different times. But um, yeah, nowadays it's just like the RX military, the RX police, and it's it's funny how because often you see them on TV and it's funny how it's just like you think that a police officer would be kind of the pinnacle of of uh, how do I say this? I, I, I'm, how do I say this? It's like the police officer is a pinnacle of or not pinnacle, but they're, they're like the job. They're a real job, you know? And it's kind of just like police officers, uh, security guards. It's like they're kind of not police officers. But it's funny that a police officer will go from police officer to private detective, 
you think a, a private detective would, would, is somebody who'd want to be a police officer but didn't make it cut. Do you know what I mean? I know that's probably a really wrong way around saying it. The the suggestion is that in the pursuit of a career in law enforcement, police officer is the goal as yes. opposed to seeing former military or police officers choosing to go a slightly different route. Yeah, yeah. You think you think they'd have less jurisdiction, less uh yeah, less jurisdiction maybe, you know? Mm. And it's funny how they go from police officer to private detective. But it happens it happens often. It's probably a Veronica Mars type situation. One of the girls I used to work with actually was uh, her mother was a private detective. Alright, I'm full of shit. I get, clearly the, the art of private detection is alive and well in, in the modern age and we just need more representation in film of, of, of private detectiving. I think a lot of them nowadays just look for cheating Like spouse. Veronica Mars. Veronica Mars. Brian recommended Veronica Mars to me and it is brilliant. <laughs> okay. It's excellent. Yeah, and, have, you, have you not seen it? Either? Oh, no. you'd love it, man. You would absolutely love it. Super Brilliant. Superb. Okay. Everybody watch Veronica yes, Mars. everybody watch Veronica Mars if not watch it. And It's... it's it's as good as Speed Racer, if not. Well, that's not fair. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Veronica Mars is brilliant. The movie's good as well. Uh, and just because I talk about recommendations, Brian actually did recommend uh, Friday Night Lights to me years ago uh, with Kyle Chandler, isn't it? Yeah, and, it is. Uh, oh, it's probably some of the best TV I've ever watched. Michael Kyle Chandler, not Ron Livingston. Don't no. get the two mixed up. Not Ron, Ron Livingston. Or is the guy any DreamWorks character with one eyebrow up. Is Ron Livingston the guy from Office Space? Yes. Yeah, I do get the confused. Yeah, it's been a great episode, guys. All right. See you all next week. <laughs> um, In Veronica Mars, her dad was local sheriff. And he becomes a private detective because he is to leave in disgrace and controversy. Yes. Ooh, Just on the topic of why would someone go from... It's, it's the common thing in, in fiction then anyway, usually, is that they have to leave in disgrace over something. But they're still quite good competent do you know do you know the guy who was in jason and the agronauts um joel edgerton no 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 no, no. this is the original that was one. no the original harry harry, harry harry hamlin i think yeah he's he's yeah. in it and his wife actually i think they're they're both in it and they're married in the show yeah okay is he are we now talking about give him hell malone speed racer or veronica mars veronica mars veronica mars okay Jason and the Argonauts. Jason and the Argonauts. Keep up. <laughs> the, the best, <laughs> the best description I ever heard of Doctor Oz was uh, so. If you don't know Harry Hamlin, he was L.A. Law. He was in Jason and the Argonauts. He's in Veronica Mars. He's was he in Tremors? He's like no. I don't I think get that so. Guy confused. But he, he, he's he's ridiculously square jawed. Yeah, you know? he's good fun though. Yeah. Um, but somebody described Doctor Oz. Uh, so Dr. Oz looks like Harry Hamlin slowly turning into a werewolf <laughs> before your eyes <laughs> and it's perfect oh my god <laughs> it's perfect description that's so good of Dr. Oz bloody hell or Hammy, Harry Hamlin if he was to turn into a werewolf uh, I can't remember where I read it but uh, yeah it was made you chuckle it's perfect yeah if you're using that clip on social media you've got to put the two the two side by side just for people to see yeah. I saw a thing on the internet the other day and it said Dewey from Mac in the Middle uh, left the show or left acting because he had feelings for Frankie Muniz and I, I okay. was watching this video and I was like what's Frankie Muniz's excuse for leaving acting 
he made a ton of money. And he had, he has, he, I think he got hurt, or else he has some sort of, um, a series of strokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't really remember that. Apparently, oh, really? he, he doesn't. Apparently, he doesn't remember Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, his brain's fried. Oh. He doesn't remember the. He doesn't remember that whole decade. Yeah, he got into race car driving and crashed a lot, and then had a series of strokes, and he just like doesn't remember age ten to twenty five or something. Yeah, and he uh, mm. he was in an episode of Criminal Minds where he was a comic book artist. Did you, did you, okay, that's a that's a um segue if ever there was one. It, well, it's not so much a se- well, it's a segue, I suppose, but it's it's a weird like it's one of those um it's one of those sort of shared experience things I'm checking in with you. As art-inclined individuals in Ireland growing up who also watch a shit ton of movies and televisions, did you find episodes or media where there was an artist, a comic book artist or an illustrator or something and really like become disproportionately fascinated with that episode like yes. there's an episode of Remington Steel where there's a, a comic book artist that gets killed I think in the new Avengers what's the Disney movie with the guy who Condor Man mm-hmm. you know he was a comic book artist that became a spy and I, like he would only do anything in the comic book if he could do it in real life like um, the Take On Me music video like any anywhere I saw illustration or art in film yeah. oh, was especially fascinating to me yeah uh, there was that other one uh, there was a TV show I used to watch when I was a kid, and I used to love it. Um, and uh, the the name of the show escapes me, uh, but it was the actress who played Martin McFly's mum, and she was an illustrator. Caroline in the City. Caroline in the City. Yes, I uh, watched that specifically because she was a comic book artist. Because like, I don't, I, I can't. Yeah, I was watching it for the. I was watching it because she was an artist, and yeah. because there were like little animated segments between it. Yeah, the fact that there was a sitcom wrapped around that somewhere didn't really make much yeah, I, of a difference no, i was there for the moments where they were sitting at a desk drawing yeah. and I, I, I liked her she was great you know but yeah exactly yeah 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 Caroline City. Well, yeah, absolutely yeah things things anything that had like some sort of like yeah kind of they not. did a crossover episode with fraser did they well kind of they were on the same network and um, they just in the same way that like the mad about you people walked into central perk at one point oh no way they Oh, something happened. Like, Caroline goes sick and couldn't do the comic strip. So the assistant had to write and draw and deliver it. Oh, and then it cut to Daphne reading the newspaper and Fraser, And she's like, I don't get this. It's it's not funny. And then she shows it to a man and the man laughs because a man wrote it this week. So it's man jokes. It was, oh, I get it was, a, bit of, it was a bit of a shit joke, but it was just funny to see the two shows cross over. Yes. Yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> it was a joke about ladies liking shoes. Mm-hmm. Is that the extent of the crossover? That was, that she doesn't actually the, appear in the episode. The, I think that was the this extent is of the crossover, yeah. yeah. Okay. But that's why I, when after I said crossover, I did try and <laughs> walk that back by mentioning the moment where Mad About You walked yeah, into the yeah. cafe and then walked out again. It was yeah, at that level, yeah. you know? Kind of, uh, yeah, crossovers back in the day were, yeah, were something else. Well, the, the Mad About You, though, did have Lisa Kudrow playing Phoebe's sister. Well, the, the Phoebe's sister thing was a retcon after the fact, but... Like yeah, yeah but, she was but, an asshole like, waitress. Yeah, but that was bigger than. Was well, mad about you the like Helen the Hunt two... show? Mm. Yes, Paul yeah. Reiser. Yeah, I used to love it. Yeah. Mel Brooks was in it at one point. Probably. You don't see that show on much. No, you also don't see. Uh, I don't know. It was on a lot. It was on a lot. It's it's still on somewhere currently. I reckon. Yeah, like I don't I don't know what. I don't know what the version of the Paramount Comedy Channel is anymore, but they fucking showed it about three times a day. Yeah, it's Comedy Central um, now, but it's now it's it's now it's like, yeah, they're they're still they're showing it show somewhere. Two and a half you're, you're guaranteed. 
Um, I never liked Two and a Half Men. Never got into it. I'm awful. What I'm curious about there, Charlie Sheen went off and did that anger management show. That anger management oh, yeah. show got a guaranteed hundred episodes. That's what they bought when they contracted him on. So they made a hundred episodes of that thing. Did they all air? Where the fuck did that get shown? Uh, to be honest, man, like Charlie Sheen was one of those guys when I was a kid. I loved um, Hot Shots, basically Hot Shots, you know. Mm. But it was always just Hot Shots and Hot Shots Part Two. That's it. oh, I love Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> Which is no, the that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's just those two. It's just those two films, basically. Terminal we all liked velocity. Charlie Sheen, but just because of those two films. Okay, yeah, fair, fair. Drop Zone. Drop Zone. Which one was Drop which one Zone? Was is Wesley Snipes. And young, no, that was Passenger Butler? 57, I thought. Drop, drop, Wesley Snipes in Drop Zone as well. With, um... No, Elizabeth Hurley's in Passenger 57. <laughs> Elizabeth Hurley did Passenger 57 without a valid work permit, and then she couldn't work in America. This is the worst episode ever. Yeah, but which one was Wesley Snipes in? Both of them. He was in Drop, drop Zone. Zone? He was in Drop Zone and Passenger yes. 57. So okay. Charlie Sheen was in Terminal Velocity? Yes, I think so. Because the back one had Yancey Butler, who was in Witchblade. Who was not in King of Queens. Probably Drop Zone. Because I, I, mix, I mix them up. Is that Leah Remini? Leah Remini and Yancey Butler. You mix Leah them up? Remini, who's a Scientologist, who well, I just ex, found out ex, is... Ex-Scientologist. Like uh, Elizabeth Moss, who is in Handmaiden's Tale. In the West Wing. Is she an ex-Scientologist, Elizabeth Moss? No, I don't no, think I so. Think she's a, I think she's a current Scientologist. Drop Zone had, uh, it was Mick Nulty or Gary Busey was the bad guy. Drop Zone had Leo Remini. Leo Remini. He was a bad guy. Or is that a woman? <laughs> Drop Zone had Yancey Butler. Yancey Butler is a bad guy. <laughs> Who he confuses with Leo Remini. He's Yancey a Butler's a woman. an ex-Scientologist. <laughs> but I had, but I, I, but I tried Unlike to Elizabeth Moss, who's a current Scientologist, who's in The Handmaiden's Tale. And Tom Cruise did a halo jump. In Mission Gary, Impossible. Gary Busey was in Drop Drop Zone with Wesley Snipes. And no, Nancy. he was in Point Break. Why er, was Point Break, you think? And Earl Levy. No, because I Googled it. <laughs> You're not doing this to me. You're not doing this to me today. <laughs> Passion of 57 was, it was something to do with... Um, what Was it something to do with um, The Fugitive? No, you're thinking, no. You're, you're thinking... You're thinking of U.S. Marshals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which then had an odd seek. Was 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 that somehow connected to Double Indemnity? Because I know Tommy Lee Jones was in all of them. Was he the same Marshall? I thought Raphael it was The Hunted thing? with Benicio del Toro. No, no, because he's not the same U.S. Marshal in that. He's a he's not the same okay. trainer I'm, guy. I'm, who, I'm like, having a nosebleed. Right, but I get I get The Hunted <laughs> mixed up with The Hunt with Mad Mickelson, and then very different. Hunted films. with uh, Betty Gilpin just came out. Samuel Gerard. Gerard is Tommy Lee Jones's character, and he is—he must be in. Well, he's in there. U.S. Marshals is the sequel to The Fugitive. U.S. Marshals, yeah. So, yeah, is Double Indemnity not Double Indemnity? Double Jeopardy. Double Indemnity is a movie from the forties. Yeah, film noir one. Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Mm... It's not Jimmy Stewart. It is Jimmy Stewart. Don't don't think he's the insurance. He's the insurance guy, isn't he? Yeah, oh, it is Jimmy Stewart. It's it's what do you call it? Um, the A Wonderful Life, right? Yeah, but that's not it's not it's not Jimmy Stewart, is it? I always thought it was. I don't think it is. Fred McMurray. I always get him mixed up. Yeah, with other people and Edward G. Robinson is the name I always forget. Yeah. Is Tommy Lee Jones the same character in Double Jeopardy as he is in U.S. Marshals and as he is in The Fugitive? 
Fugitives? Fugitives Viewers Marshals, yes, because they are linked. Double Jeopardy. That's the one with, um, what's her name? Diane Lane. Judd. Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. But I, mix, I used to mix up Diane Lane and Ashley Judd. Making this harder. <laughs> Which I always actually confuse. I always think double double Jeopardy, did you say it was called, Aiden? With yeah. Judd? I always confuse that with the real life incident between um, Christopher Walken. And Natalie Wood. And, Natalie yeah, Wood. What's the other guy? Robert Wagner. Is yeah, it? Robert Wagner. Is was it? it Robert Wagner? Is it? He played... He, didn't he Wagner, play I think, yeah. in the movie. I can't remember. He's in Heart to Heart. Robert Wagner. Wait. No, I'm thinking of Bugsy. Yeah, what's his name? With Jodie Foster. No. <laughs> was that the one with Jodie Foster? And he has a whole... He has a Count of Dwarfs from Snow White. He had a whole thing about it, didn't he? Over, on, over the Rainbow? Is that a movie? This is the worst episode ever. <laughs> This is the best. This this is this is this is a spider web. I have a question. <laughs> Was Tommy Lee Jones the same character in the house bunny? In Iron Man One and Two. Hmm. Have you noticed that Robin Downey Jr. is always wearing flared pants? Even in his Formula One gear, he's always wearing flared jeans. And they always cover his heel. It it's it's to hide the heels yes. on his shoes. Yeah, he wants to be taller, massive right? lifts. Yeah. 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 It's in everything he wears. They got huge lifts. He wears, so he's he wears huge massive heels because he wears huge heels to get him up a few inches, does he? Yeah, 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 quite a few. That's inches. really disappointing because I'd like to think he's more fucking practical or realistic, secure about yeah, that secure sort of stuff, because yeah. of Meg. Like he's five nine, and five nine is kind of it's short. crazy short, yeah. Um, it's short. But it's the Hollywood, it's the Hollywood height they want for setting up scenes and cameras and stuff like that. Like because my friend. Uh, is an aspiring actor and he's six foot something and uh, he said that that goes against him sometimes he'd be like, he's like 5'9 is a perfect height he's like Tom Hardy Robert Downey Jr and he just listed off a ton of names of actors who are 5'9 yeah but that feels like the episode of, of Entourage where they talk about Adrian Grenier's head being big and that's why he's successful he's got a big Hollywood head that is true though big Hollywood heads big heads it's so true it really is. <laughs> okay, well, I was saying, like, kind of the 5'9 thing it really might be a stretch, but you're saying people in Hollywood have large look, look, look at Look at any leading man. Right. Big heads. Small waists. It's weird, because I know some ugly dudes who have big heads, but kind of are popular. Big heads look good in camera. They do. I've got a big head. Yeah, but you're It's kind hard of... for me to buy hats. Yeah, but you're, like... But you're all, yeah, but you're all, you have a big head, but there's like, you know, it's like, it's not in proportion to other parts of your body. It's all kind of just like, you know, cascading forms of, of, of different masses. <laughs> but that, that's what they like. He's just, he's we, just a big, massive, non-Euclidean geometry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As my, I get it, okay. <laughs> yeah, as my father, my father would say, Jesus, I didn't notice stack shit that high. Wow, yeah. he he's had a lot of time. How how to take tall people down a peg or two? Yeah, is he taller than me? My dad might be a little bit taller than me. I mean, he didn't have the tallest kids, did he? Well, you two, you both what six one? No, six, four, somewhere in there. <laughs> Together, yes. <laughs> Together, if you stack us just right, we're six one. It rides on my shoulders. No one needed to know that I was misleading them there. <laughs> You guys, I don't want any. I, I don't want a Robert Downey Jr. in my house. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. We don't. So, the worst yeah. thing would be like if someone's like, "We're comfortable about yeah, it." We're, 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 we just hate it. Yeah. Well, it's like when but I. We're it's, comfortable it's like when I go to parties and like if anybody asks, I'm five ten. 
What are you? Why? Because you watch people around you realise they might be shorter than five ten. <laughs> Brilliant. I believe you do that, you sadistic fuck. But yeah, that's excellent. I, I've read a few um, like Tinder bumble anecdotes from women saying that they've dated guys who say they're six foot or whatever in their profile and then they're on it. Like the, the girl will be five, let's say five eight or five nine. So yeah. Um, and the guy is the same size as them, and like the guy knows they're the guy knows they're the same size, and the woman's saying, "Well, like I'm I'm five five eight or five nine. The guy's like, "No, you you can't be because I'm <laughs> I'm six foot." It's like we're the same height, buddy. <laughs> That's hilarious. And they're just watching the guys have this meltdown, you know, existential panic because they they. Some some of them, I mean, some of them knowingly lie, and then others think oh, I'm, I'm a solid, I'm about a solid that, yeah. five eleven, six foot or something. Yeah, you, you you might have been at one point, but time takes a toll. <laughs> well, that's it. Like I think they never were, yeah. to be honest. Well, people people often yeah. say to me like, oh, like like you know, could be talking about something, and like even even my girlfriend's friend the other day was saying like, oh, because sure, Kevin must be six foot at least, and it's just like me, six foot. It's like maybe because my girlfriend's five foot nothing, but it's your it's personality. Like, definitely not six foot. You've got a big presence yeah. in a room. Larger than life personality. Yeah, big. And you wear heels. I have so, a big head. I, mean, it's the heels I do too. wear. I do wear heels. I do, but basically, I do wear heels because I have I have docks that are that like um, that I wear, and I they definitely make me six foot. They must make me six foot at least. So Robert Downey Jr. is wearing heels. You yeah. watched Iron Man one, two, and the Hulk. You've you've thoughts this week on on classic Marvel. Yes. So uh, I watched Iron Man one and two, um, uh, with my girlfriend. She doesn't like Iron Man. She doesn't like him. Oh, so hold on. Let, let me then... You mentioned recently enough to us that she's basically not seen any of these movies. She's not seen any of the MCU stuff really at all. So this is a rewatch because you're introducing her to this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if on, this doesn't work years. out, you just dump her, right? She but, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I was going to say. We're going to have three years, so... So okay, she doesn't like the character or doesn't like the film? Doesn't like the character. Doesn't like the character. Because she likes... Between Iron Man 1 and 2. Yeah. But I, I, I did tell her though, kind of like... You know, you're obviously you're trying to avoid spoilers and stuff, but you're like kind of like I like he kind of comes around, like he kind of redeems himself. I've watched enough. He, he's re. I've watched enough reaction videos at this point from like, look, the lockdown has been hard. I've watched a lot of reaction videos, so but I've seen a number of people start off going, "Oh, I hate this guy, and I hate the fact that I'm watching Iron Man," and then by the end of it, they've seen his journey. They've seen his insecurities and the post-traumatic stress he goes through and how much he wants to defend the world around him and his family. And they're in tears at the end of Endgame as well. Now, I don't know that that's going to happen for Emer, but I have seen a lot of that reaction where they're like, oh, fuck this guy. And then by mm. the end of it, they get him. But I think but I think that's kind of intentional to a degree, you know? Like when Stan Lee created the character, he said he was basically daring fans not to like this guy. Yeah, yeah. He he intentionally like he Amazing. he 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 set out to 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 make fans like a character that's that's dislikable. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but um, that's what I. That's... He starts from a bad place, like, and it, it it's funny yeah. looking, like, because I had like a I had a black and white re. Well, I mean, I guess it would have been. But I had a reprint of like the origin story of Iron Man from the fucking sixties, you know, and. You know, it's him in a Roger Moore leisure suit traipsing through the drum jungle and, and tripping over a trip line and getting a landmine. Like, it's it's that era warfare rather than the sort of, like, um, Middle Eastern 
was it Afghanistan they were in insurgency sort of stuff for the but it was certainly implied anyways yeah thing. um you know he was definitely an arsehole yeah, who had to be brought round he's very unlikable and too two's a mess two though. is a mess right so I have I have I have some things about two but I was just gonna say it's just like um like even say uh Black Widow shit when she's in it and stuff and she says like that he's not a fit for the Avengers initiative that he's a textbook narcissist and stuff and there is an aspect of Iron Man that he definitely is playing up to Tony Stark is definitely playing up to that kind of bravado and the playboy and the kind of that kind of thing because even if he is a textbook narcissist he wouldn't would he, would, would he be as selfless just going from Iron Man 1 and 2 not talking about the other movies he he's he's drowning his you know guilt He's drawing his trauma and his guilt in, in all that behavior. Yeah. Oh, self-destructive. I get you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a bit rich for you know, <laughs> a murdering <laughs> psychopath to say somebody's not a good fit. Yes. Because yeah. I mean, Blackwood is quite a dark character, but two's a mess. They didn't know what they wanted to do with the film. They were. Mika Rourke did not work out in that movie. You mean, wait, he didn't work out or he didn't exercise to look No, well? I mean, uh, well, probably both because it looks like, I think he looks like he's wearing a bodysuit or something. His muscles don't really look natural. It was 10 years ago. Maybe they are. But I was going to say, he's not in any, he's in one scene with Tony Stark, properly like. Uh, his lines are really like, he doesn't have a whole lot of lines and you kind of get the vibe that like, they're like, they're in one scene together. And I don't even know if you actually see them. I can't even remember if you actually see them in the scene together. It's that mm-hmm. whole like back and forth type of stuff, you know? And uh it's like for the billing he had, he had such a kind of like. That's interesting because Robert Downey Jr. and Mickey Work would be contemporaries, right? They would have been that sort of eighties era Brat Pack. You think they're the same age? Stuff, right? Yeah. Do Do they work together in the eighties? Like, would they have? I don't a history? think they did. Would you not say there's like ten Work. years between them at least Work. in terms of their careers and stuff? Um. Well, you see, I don't know. I don't know much about Mickey Work's background. Like Downey Jr. was. Um, Know, kind of born into it so he i feel like he started a little bit earlier mm. i know angel heart and stuff remember angel heart with uh mickey oh Rourke. to be fair yeah uh, mickey work has 10 years on robert Downey jr yeah i, I would just have think of them so. as being around the same i think it's because they probably both dipped out and came back in you know but obviously um i think obviously uh robert Downey jr's second chance was more fruitful than than uh uh mickey works but i think mickey work kind of fell back into the old habits again didn't he a little bit, kind of take picking the movie roles and being a bit funny about them and going a certain way. Rourke had like almost two shots at a comeback. You yes, know? yeah. Any kind of Sin City and the Wrestler kind of almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have any thoughts on the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk? I'm assuming. Yes, yeah, with with, with uh, Ed Norton. Um, do 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 you know actually? Kind of just like watching the movies now because we've watched Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man One, Iron Man Two, and Thor. Watching the movie. Or, sorry, we haven't watched Thor with Hulk. So you did you did a chronological thing? Yes, yeah, we're doing it chronologically. Okay. Uh, it's really interesting because in Iron Man Two, uh, there's a moment where Samuel Jackson, like Iron Man, Tony Stark is talking about the reactor in his chest kind of failing and he's potentially poisoning himself every time he uses a suit and he's going to die, you know. And uh, he's saying he tried everything and samuel jackson's almost like well you didn't you didn't try everything mr stark you don't know everything and it's just like when you watch that having watched uh the likes of captain marvel it's just like wow like i wonder where they like what it was it that planned out or did it just work out no. really well for them 
No. Yeah. Not at yeah. all. Okay, fair, fair. Not even close. I, th- I think they put I think they put a broad line like that into an Iron Man movie and they're able to capitalize it when they go back to give him some backstory. Yeah, but uh but anyways, in regards to Hulk I think The Incredible Hulk is a better rewatch than Iron Man because it's got a better third act. Well, if you if you if you ignore the fact that like how much was dependent on Iron Man being a success to like launch mm, the whole MCU. Mm. And forgetting all of that stuff, if you just kind of watch, watch the two side by side, I think Incredible Hulk is a much more rewatchable film. Like I, I, I remember years ago, I think before we even had the Avengers, rewatching Iron Man on Blu-ray and really losing interest. I remember, after, I remember you saying that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I really did just check out. Like after after he flight tests the suit, the the like the silver version. Yeah, not much else happens. There's nothing else worth kind of watching in it, really. There's very, very small stuff, but um, it's and it, it's not even because it's not even like because of like a, a lot of people say, oh, it's you know the the kind of villain at the end. It's just a bigger robot and stuff. It's like that that fight looks okay, but it's just there's no interest in getting to that point for me. There's another thirty minutes before it gets to it, and it's not that great. Whereas the Incredible Hulk builds up to him on the like he's been running from ross he's he's only just reconnected with um with betty and he's in the i don't know is it a is it like a kind of a cargo plane or something but he, he basically he, he kind of decides that he's got to step in and do something about this because he's the only person who possibly can and he just makes this decision to try direct it at at something you know not control it just guide it and that's the third act and and, and that's what he does and it's it's a much stronger the real section in that movie is great the banner stuff i, I love i was the just gonna say that i, love the I was just gonna say that stuff. i yeah. think it's great i think they do a really great job with the fugitive stuff the, the stuff him running in brazil that's that's exciting stuff and then him fighting oh God, I hit my anxiety i don't know i've i've seen the movie before and i was watching it kind of like and like i, I don't know i was just watching it going like oh this is very intense and I was even saying to Emmer, like, I was like, oh, this is very intense. It's good. I was going to say, it, it is a good movie. It's a really good movie. It just, it except just for the, falls the Hulk down stuff. What the Hulk looks and the like. abomination, yeah. The Hulk just. It's horrible. He's too. I don't think it even looks that bad, to be honest. But I don't think. Like th- I... His face isn't great, though. He looks too, like, cartoony or chiseled or something. It's a shame. Every time I turn that movie on, I'm enjoying it and I'm just annoyed that it looks the way it does. I just wish it looked better. I, I want them to, like,. I want them to come back in with the Ruffalo rig and, and just put that Hulk in. That's what I, I, I said that to Emer. I was like, could you imagine like kind of watching this movie and like, you know, there was an algorithm that like nowadays would just update the special effects in movies to today's standard. You could just watch it kind of like that. Or you Open could do the watch. file, switch out the rig. Yeah. But I was like, I, they did it with Sonic the Hedgehog. I was going to say though, um, there's a, but then where did they stop? Ed, did they take Terrence Howard out of Iron Man? Oh my God. It, well, E.T. took the guns out and gave them walkie-talkies, so... Um, but uh, I was going to say, uh, apparently Ed Norton, now I don't know if it's true, I just read it, Ed Norton has something in his contract that when he... Uh, He's got script control. Yeah, script control. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a whole scene and they filmed it and I'm pretty sure I saw it where Ed Norton is in the middle of like the Antarctic or something and he tries to commit suicide and the Hulk won't let him. No. The, the, I remember in the trailer, the first, been in the trailer, trailer for the film. But no, sorry, another scene. Like there's, there's a full scene with him and Ty Burrell's character in the trailer where they have like a therapy session, and that was completely removed 
from the film, but it's in the trailer. It's in the first trailer, the release where Ty Burrell is sitting down with mm. with Norton. And... Who's that, Brian? Betty's boyfriend in the movie. Oh yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's got a much bigger role in the movie. Oh. In that film, oh, but so they... let's, let's get Liv Tyler back into the Marvel Absolutely, Cinematic yeah, Universe. She's, she's great. great. She's brilliant. I mean, her and Darcy could solve some mysteries. Yes. <laughs> That's Modern Family, is it? Is he no. Modern Family? Who's Darcy? Cat Dennings character. God, that's that's an awful movie idea. Darcy and Betty Ross. But solving science-based mysteries. Betty Ross could come back for our uh, She-Hulk show. That'd be awesome. I I think I think potentially there there's a good movie in the Hulk. Uh, the idea of the leader and stuff. I liked it. Uh, uh, what's his name? Blonsky. That's not how you pronounce it. Emil Blonsky. Yeah. I, he's brilliant. That's why this chronological watch you did is kind of funny because. It absolutely makes sense, but like when I saw the Hulk and Blonsky starts getting this proto super soldier serum, and you start to see what a Captain America might look like on film, and you see him outpace the people he's yeah, running against, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you're like, oh, that's what a that's what a super oh, soldier good idea. Could look like. And then you get Captain America, and then you see what it should yeah. look like, and like I I liked that progression of getting a hint of what they were yeah, aiming yeah. at, and then seeing it go wrong. I, you said you think there's a good movie in there. I think there, I think it's a good movie. I think it is. Yeah, I, I, I quite just like it. Really would like to retcon out those visual effects. I don't like them. He's so he's so. I, I don't even. In I don't as well. I don't mind them that much to be honest. I, I don't think they're that bad. Um, I think they've aged I, about I, the I, same I, as the effects in Iron Man one and two. Probably, I even saw recently like in Iron Man that first scene where you see him in the the red and gold armor and he like fires the missile at the tank and he dodges that is it hasn't dated but it's come on so much yeah, since there, that there's a scene it's in the point. hulk where don't don't get me wrong i don't think the effects like i think they're cutting edge i don't know if they're weta or ilm at that point um it, they're top-notch visual effects i just hate the design I think I had I had issues with the design initially, but now I kind of I can't think of Iron Man any other way, you know. But there is a scene with um, like I can't think of Iron Man in a in any other. Suit, oh, my design! You know? I'm just talking about the Hulk. Oh, no, oh sorry, the Hulk. Oh, sorry. So, yeah, Iron Man design's fine to me. I really I I, I love this particular era of Iron Man, but in the, in the Hulk, like yeah. So I I'm not mad on the Hulk's face. I think that's kind of the issue, and I wish he was a little bit more Hulking and. They definitely have it right with the Ruffalo model in the Avengers and stuff. I love that Hulk. But there is a scene in Hulk uh, with Ed Norton where he's on the edge of a cliff and he's kind of screaming and stuff. And uh, that's actually a cool scene. Like that's If you just pause it, like that, that's a cool frame. That looks nice, you know. But then he he goes back to Banner and he's just left him stranded on the side of a cliff. It wasn't very thoughtful. He just dragged the woman up a cliff and then they're stuck there together. Inconsiderate Hulk. Yeah, it's awful. But this is sad, and there's a good moment where he's like, "Leave me alone," and it's just like, "Oh, like that's they, they did like yeah, they did hit some really good beats." It's just I think yeah, special effects wise, not the May West. So that brings us then to uh, May West. Was she in Double Indemnity or was she in uh, Key Largo? It was the Maltese Falcon. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, I thought it was the Treasure of Sierra Madre. No, no that's well, that uh, was Humphrey Bogart for sure, but he was also in the African Queen with Catherine Hepburn, who was in True Grit or Rooster Cogburn. True Rooster Grit. Rooster Cogburn wasn't was in it? True Grit. Was it Rooster Cogburn? No, it's in the sequel, Jewel of the Nile. Are you talking about the what's the film with the Rock and Emily Blunt? Is that what we're talking about? Rampage. The Rock and Emily Blunt. Rampage. 
No. Oh, um, did that come out? No, it hasn't come out. I don't think. No. That was the the <laughs> Disney ride. The the what the fuck is the name of it? It's another Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, it's the African the River Queen movie. Ripoff. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the. Is it called the African Welcome Queen? The no, jungle. it's not. It's Jungle. Jungle River. Jungle Run. Jungle. Mouse Trap. Mouse Trap. Mouse Trap. Mouse Trap. Mouse Trap. The movie with the Rock yeah. and Emily Blunt. Yeah, yeah. I actually love Emily Blunt. Jungle, Jungle Cruise. Cruise? Jungle Cruise. Jungle That's Cruise? it. Jungle Cruise. Yeah. That's not how it is. It. No, no, that's uh, that's know. gone, right? No, that's so. that's funny. Um, well, that's gonna, that's. I mean, look, I was gonna go into Marvel, but that's a nice, neat segue into. I have a note here that there's a new trailer up for a Quiet Place Two. I've not watched it because. Well, I, I, that that's fine, but I I just wanted to pre-lockdown. A Quiet Place Two was in Irish cinemas. The the, the posters were, but I think it didn't get released. I think it was screening because I I, I, I kind of kicked myself for not going to see it. I, I I feel like it was, yeah. I wanted to go and see it and I didn't. I wanted to go see it, yeah. I feel like it was, to be honest, yeah. I didn't see the original in the cinema and I really I was really annoyed that I didn't because I absolutely loved it when I watched it on TV. I hope you learned your lesson. I, I, I watched that movie late and it was just like, I watch it and just go, John Krasinski would be alive if his family didn't keep fucking up. The nail scene. Like, am, am I wrong? Every every step of the way, someone in his family makes a loud noise and he has to try and sort shit out, ultimately. That's why in a zombie apocalypse, no partners, no children. They mm. hold you back. It's a good rule. Yeah. Will Smith had it right. He survived forever with the dog. Yeah. Shit went sideways when another human turned up. Yeah, exactly. No partners, no kids. It It, it already had its premiere. So there's a good chance, I think. It had premiered and it hadn't opened yet in America. So there's a good chance that it did open over here. But I don't remember. Who can remember? Everything is a blur now. Time is meaningless. Yes, time is meaningless. And I hate it. Scheduled for release 20th of March 2020. People went home on the 13th, but there wasn't a fucking full lockdown. Cinemas and shit were still open. That movie came out. I'm pretty sure they pulled it. Well, I mean, if it, if it was due to come out on the 20th, then we would have had posters everywhere for it. Yeah, we definitely we had posters. Two weeks There's before buses going around so. Dublin. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Like, I should probably look for one of them and read the fucking release date that's written on the side of it. It's probably 20th of March. Mm. And then we went into full lockdown for two weeks on the 13th. Yeah. So it would have... It would have... Missed it. Yeah. Might be some early views or something, but... Such a pity because it's like I want to see. It. I do hope cinemas come back. I'm worried that they won't. It's it's interesting. I know Cineworld like officially is out of business in Dublin. They might they might close for a while, but I mean they when when they're running, they make a huge profit. Yes. Yeah, so sure, popcorn is the biggest markup of any product in the world. It's like an eight hundred eight hundred percent or something nuts like that. And I know like oh like that's probably I don't know if that's a real number, but it is something like eight hundred percent markup from what it, it is. It's it's huge. Yeah. yeah. A bag of popcorn costs like 10, 10 euro in the cinema. The the contents of the bag for a bag of popcorn and the content like you know the popcorn kernels and the salt and the probably cost them like twenty cents altogether. Oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So I mean the, the the thing is I mean if if you know business is about profit profit margin in cinemas is absolutely huge. If, yeah. If they can like the expense the costs are quite high to kind of be set up and everything, but even if something goes out of business. There's a building that's kind of fully furbished for cinemas, so exactly. it's a good investment for somebody to kind of come in and reopen. So I don't, I don't think they're going away. Like I don't know the ins and outs of business because, of course, I am an idiot. 
but might simply mean we've closed the doors, we've stopped paying rent, we're not paying electricity, we're not paying this, that, and the other. Oh, everything can open up again? Let's reestablish some contracts, we're back in business. You know what I mean? It, yes. it might yeah. be as simple as, um, you know, we'll start paying rent on this like, premises again. If, if you think about how big a business studios are, right? Yeah. They're absolutely massive. They can afford to spend effectively half a billion between you know a budget and marketing costs mm. on a film mm. and as big as they are they have to play ball every year with the exhibitors mm. being the cinemas so yeah e- even even if a cinema is closed they're they're, they're such massive entities in, the, in this huge huge industry that they're not going anywhere mm. they just might not be in the same you know whether whether it's the studio comes in and buys a cinema and has its own arm but that's a good move for them then as well because they're not splitting profits in the same mm-hmm. anyway it's uh they're going nowhere so just on trailers then i mentioned a quiet place too what's the trailer for the dexter revival it's just a little bit of a teaser if anything didn't need a revival it's dexter that thing limped to an ending and went from went from um i was only telling kev yesterday that you know, Dexter is in my top three for television moments. There was only four seasons, though, wasn't there? There was only four seasons. There was, there was only, only four was seasons. Only four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it ended. It ended after it ended the fourth with season John with John Lithgow, and it was great. Yeah. 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 So I mean, it basically got better every season. Why? Why come back after the great, great ending there in the fourth season? That was spoiled. That was spoiled on me, and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It was so devastating. Someone said to me just before last watched watch that last episode of season four. Someone said, like, I won't say it, but someone said what happened. And uh, I was just disgusted because I knew I hadn't seen it and now he's watching it. It's awful. So. I was watching that season of, I mean, maybe it speaks to a medical condition, but I was watching it in the living room and the person next to me turned and went, is that your heart beating? <laughs> could hear my heart beating as I was watching John Lithgow be terrifying. You, you, were, scared of, you were scared of him or you were I was, of him, sorry? I was so invested in the scene and the tension was such that was it the thanksgiving dinner scene <laughs> I, I mean it could have been that there's just that that's a bloody he was so good in it my god he was terrifying it doesn't even make a lick of sense um he did he did such a great job um so yeah i mean look to to be real there were series after it um it just got worse dexter made dumber decision after, like at a certain point i just said i'm i'm watching deborah the show is called deborah because she is the reasonable sensible protagonist that makes good decisions and tries to do the right thing and they treat her like shit as the show goes that on that always makes for a great protagonist but- <laughs> <laughs> but but she tries to do the right thing within shitty situations. She has she has to break the rules. She has. That's to pretty much never what a protagonist is. No, though, but funnily enough, no, no. But what I'm saying is that's how bad the show was. Is that we were more interested in the a supporting character, she the straight was, character. Yeah, she was breaking the rules to support the system. But every time there was Dexter, just kept making shittier and shittier decisions. It 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 got to a point where I was yelling at the television, going, "That doesn't make a fucking lick of sense." And then they treated her like shit at the end of it. I think my issue was with the show is just like, and it was kind of, it was definitely after the John, John Lithgow because I think even season three wasn't great, but John Lithgow anyways. But uh, I just had issues with the fact that like, kind of like, it was just like any cliffhanger episode, it would just start with him. Like, like, you know, he got stuck in a basement and, and it was just like, oh my God, he's going to be caught. And then just the next episode, 
he's just walked out a different back door and it's just kind of like what i don't know i, I mean i'll probably watch it just because i watched seven seasons of dexter up to that point i will not watch it because i've watched that many seasons of dexter basically what's the purpose yes what's the purpose of bringing it back what's the purpose of bringing it back uh, so after after lithgow colin hanks no and edward james almost no uh johnny lee miller i think it was johnny lee miller after yeah and then was who was seven seven was colin hanks was that the season before the last season okay well then speaking of things that may be uh one season too many or some seasons too many the next trailer up was stranger things season four i watched all of season three till the end fell asleep at the last episode haven't gone back to watch it no interest i i, mm. I thought stranger things initially was going to be like an anthology kind of twilight zone thing when i first saw the trailer and i was quite excited for it and uh and i, I kind of enjoyed see i did enjoy season one but i think it's very i just don't I, one of the worst episodes ever season two i think episode seven uh when they have that like makeover in the gang and they all have like different weird accents and it's just like it's just so bizarre it's just not it doesn't work. i don't like the show at all no i'm not a fan of it anymore i don't think all. it works yeah i i enjoyed i enjoyed season one but it's... I, I think it got by in a lot of nostalgia in season one but like i don't I just it's been so long since i watched it but there's the stuff in season one the show's a mess like it starts off with showing us like the Department of Energy are doing experiments and stuff, and then it cuts to something else, and it cuts to something else, and then it tries to tie this mystery in. It's like it was clearly the Department of Energy because you just showed us they're doing something in like, the opening scene, yeah. and it takes so long for the show to get around to it, and it just it's not a good show. It's just big nostalgia trip. the The opening theme is brilliant, and I wish I wish the show was that. I wish it matched the energy set by the the opening credits because yes, yeah, it's it's it's, it's weak, it's not good. Honestly, I thought it was gonna be some kind of cool anthology '80s type of tropey show, you know. But um, and like I know people always going on about nostalgia, and obviously because people uh, going about nostalgia because they grew up watching '80s movies. But some people are going like, oh, I like it because it's so nostalgic, and it's just like I don't even think you're around for '80s movies. Never mind the '80s, you know. It's like what the like. I, 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 yeah, I'm gonna be that guy. It's just like I think a lot of people kind of like bandwagoned on it and said that they liked it because of the '80s, and it's just like I was born in '88. I don't even fucking remember the '80s that much, <laughs> you know. Like, uh, obviously movies and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Overhyped. I mean, you, overhyped. You, you, you can have nostalgia or or a, a, an affection for the aesthetic of an era and stuff. Oh yeah, fair. Yeah, like it's it's not moving forward and its solution has just been like increasingly big monsters like um i did think the um is it season three where the guy gets possessed that was a cool yep season three was my favorite season to be honest like i thought one didn't like one two was a mess three actually had some i was more invested in in season three than i was Mm. of the previous two seasons and that's that kind of gives me a little hope for season four but I like John Ralphio and his friend at the ice cream place, and I liked the lifeguard. They were oh, cool. um, Maya Hawk, is it mm-hmm. Maya Hawk? Ethan Hawks. Yeah. And I know it's Thurman's not John Ralphio, but I know. I liked, but he, I liked they, the yeah. who the guy with the beautiful hair? He's Ethan Hawke's yeah. son. No, no, the, his friend and the, no, the girl with the, the ice cream shop hair is Ethan Hawke's daughter. The girl in the ice Ethan cream Hawk shop, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. Yeah. Maya, yeah. Oh Maya no Hawk? way! Yeah, she. But I, yeah. to be fair. 
she's actually good in it. Like, she's actually not a bad actress or actor. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, it just it just became meh, didn't it? Am I right, Uma Thurman's kid? Yeah, um, I think so, man. Yeah, that lifeguard's great. He he plays that. Really, <laughs> he plays that perfectly. Like, really, it's like and they the, pulled him from the eighties. He's perfect. Yeah, the scene where he confronts Eleven and the demon is speaking through him. And because I used that as reference for some of the voice work in the short I made, just the way the the sound is treated, the echo, the reverb, and the, the stuff, it's kind of a cool uh, effect they got on him. But when you in watching that scene back and watching the performance and watching him cry as he yeah. as the person inside him hears what the demon is making him say, it's like this is a really good scene, and he did a great job. He's great. It. Yeah. To to deliver threatening and hatred while his body is rebelling and showing sadness it was it was really well done yeah i would hate for someone to tell me that was a visual like (laughs) we put the tear in later i think he did a great job there but i don't know let's let's wait and see what um i guess season four has to offer like i I don't mind things being a pastiche but i mean season one was very much like somebody saw under the skin with Scarlett Johansson and wanted to make a Stephen King TV show. And that mm-hmm. was basically the pitch because that's the, that's the two strongest things in it is ripping off under the skin and having Stephen King looking opening credits. So then um, 80s, 80s nostalgia brings us to this week. I watched They Live. I had never seen it and uh, Big Trouble in Little China, which I had seen bits of and fucking hell John Carpenter makes a fun movie I think of John Carpenter as, as horror movies and The Thing I guess I guess and like I've watched Escape from New York as well didn't realise Bruce Campbell was the doctor in that the plastic surgeon doctor in Escape from New York or is that Escape from LA oh it's one of them but you know what I mean the guy who kind of has the underground it must be LA because it's the Hollywood uh, yeah. prosthetic thing but I didn't realise that it was Bruce Campbell they live is so much fun. Let's let's talk about the alley fight way scene because it's so good. It's too you're rough. either putting on those glasses or you're eating that trash can. Yeah, yeah. Six minutes later, <laughs> it's a wild scene. Of just Six minutes later, they're holding each wrestling. other, looking at a drone in the sky. But even like I love I love that that line and the shot in that line is this. Um. It's on Piper, but the camera's, it's not panning. It's kind of tilting to the left, I think, as he's turning to his right. And it's just this great dramatic shot. It's just him in motion in the center of the frame. And the camera's just kind of tilting left, looking at him. And it's it just lets you know there's about to be a fight here. And it's just this great, it's this great action shot. Um, and the rest of the scene lives up to that, the kind of, the... The energy establishes in that shot and it's just yeah it's those kind of camera moves are, are, are you know really cool john carpenter stuff you know and i was watching big trouble in little china um yesterday with that kind of in mind because like there's even down to the completeness of the guy does the scores for his own films and there's a lot of like especially in they live as well a lot of setup and environmental stuff and just like walking through worlds like walking through New York or San Francisco and, and just the rhythm of that music and the pace at which he cuts from shot to shot 
holding your interest long enough. Like, in theory, the opening of They Live, you should be going, this fucker's just walking around. I'm bored now. But it it does keep you in it. It's just a, it's just a drifter. Like, Drifting. <laughs> wandering through the streets, yeah. 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 And it's about 20 minutes. The famous one is, I am here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. But watching the movie, there's... um. They need a wake-up call and we're phoning it in. Life's a bitch and she's in heat again. <laughs> there are so many... Weird. Weird. <laughs> weird, but like, weird lines. With weird line readings as but well. But it feels like a response to like action movie catchphrases going on. And he's just like, I'm going to load my films with as many action movie catchphrases as I possibly can. You know, it's... Jack Burton literally has, I was born ready. You know, are we ready? I was born ready. It's it's full of them. It's so much fun. Um, when he kisses Kim Cattrall and then does the next five scenes with just lipstick smeared over his face. <laughs> dead seriously. He's just got red lipstick on his face. And at a certain point, Kim Cattrall comes in and gives him the mother and rubs it off his face so the scene can continue. Wait, it, Kim Cattrall is the... It's the woman who in he jumps out the window. Big Trouble in China. Oh, I was like, what? Big Trouble in Dude, China. I, I, sorry, I got confused. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of talking about He's it interchangeably. Yes, yes. Because they're just, the tone is so ludicrous. Like, they're different, but they're similar, you know? I remember seeing, um, I think it was like a Saturday night. And somehow, it, RT were showing Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. And somehow all week, I didn't see a single ad for it. Right, because yeah. usually the, the the kind of case at home was, you know, RT would advertise something all week, and I would beg to be allowed to stay up to watch it. And then you know, that was a little bargaining chip. Then it was like, you know, well, if you do this, if you behave, if you do that, you know, you can kind of stay up and watch it. And it was a Saturday night, and my folks were, my folks were going out, and yeah, somehow all week I had missed this this ad for Big Trouble in China, and like right before. Like I think like an hour or two before my folks were leaving to go for the night, I saw this, um, you know, the 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 ad they already said like that they cut together to show like this is on in an hour, and I was just like, oh my god, and I was hyper, and I was like, when's that on? Can I watch that? When's that on? When's that on? When's that on? Oh my god, can I watch that? Can I watch that? And I was like, yeah, it's on later tonight. We like they knew. <laughs> they, they basically they, was like that. that they, they, yeah, somehow, somehow they'd managed to keep it from me. They were like, "Yeah, look, that's on tonight, and you can watch it if you behave. We're going out, and like that—that's that's what we're going to use to get you to behave tonight." But I remember, like, I, I I still remember seeing that ad going, "What is this? I have to watch this." And then somehow, like, thinking it wasn't going to be on for like another week or something, and then finding out it was on in the next hour, and I think it obviously reminded me of Mortal Kombat or something because yeah. like there's literally writing. Is, yeah. is in it and I was like holy shit what is this Yeah, not a clue what it was what it was about watched it that night just thinking this is my it's, favorite it's thing ever and how have I never well. heard of it before so fun it, it's fascinating as well to bring like the, the like look the overly academic film school approach to it but like it's he's he's it's it's been said like he's John Wayne he's doing a John Wayne shtick as Jack Burton, like keep the home fires burning, and if we are not back, call the president. Like it's 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 John Wayne, um, but he's useless. He talks a big fucking yeah. game, but he's it's useless. Hilarious. He is just a spectator in a Chinese centric story, and that's 
kind of cool that like they put out this Hollywood film in the 1986 I think it was like I representation on film and from Hollywood is is always a, a conversation and it is always lacking and to just use use Kurt Russell as a, a smokescreen for the fact that here is a useless American guy um, who's just riding sidecar thinking he's the hero while Chinese guys fucking save the day, you know? Like, the moment where he finally manages to use that knife and a guy falls on him and he's got the knife sticking out of his foot into the enemy and he is just pinned on the ground is so fucking hilarious. It's ludicrous. He's just stuck... And there's the the oh I can't remember the name of the the guy who's been who dra- dragged him into all of it is becoming more and more fucking a kung fu superhero mm. as the story goes on and he's Jack is getting more and more just <laughs> useless pinned on the ground. <laughs> Lopan at the end when he falls over and is clearly on foot high like twelve inch platform shoes. <laughs> They keep talking about how tall he is and he falls backwards and you see these fucking milk crates that he's standing on attached to his feet. It's so ludicrous. I had, a, I had a great time and it made me want to go watch Escape from New York. I remember seeing Escape from New York and LA for the first time. And um, particularly that scene in the with like Bruce Campbell and the, the people obsessed with like body modification and plastic surgery and stuff mm. scared me so much. There was a cartoon I watched when I was a kid it was one of those, you know, like you kind of had those DVDs like or those VHSs back in the day, like Black Star and other stories and all that kind of stuff. Star Killer mm. and it's like just ripoffs of Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of those had a, a group of robots in it that would want human flesh because they would try and put the flesh on their robot bodies and it was gross. Nice. And I loved it and it scared me. Yeah. Um But it is it's just impressive how he rides the line of this is fucking ludicrous. These characters are all comical but they all take it so seriously that you take it seriously mm. that make any sense yeah 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 i guess moving us on resident evil village you started playing started um, playing didn't get much further than the the demo stuff but um, so what's your impression so far anyway like i mean it's it's six months solid of hype at this point yeah, like it, it's kind of it's, so far. It's exactly what I was hoping it would be. Um, seven was a really good, like kind of brief history. Four, four was a major high point of the series, and they've re- they've re-released four so many times. Like they, they really did, kind of almost perfect uh, a lot of things in it in four. Um, five was okay. Five, five isn't that bad. It's it's a lot so shorter than what, four. What, what's what's the setting of four? What is the like? There's a degree of familiarity with Resident Evil around the sort of initial zombie horror games that came out, but four was a divergence to a degree. It wasn't even massively a divergence. It was just the first time, like the I think the last, the last kind of mainline entry was PS one game i believe if that's right and then they did a, they did like code veronica which is kind of on dreamcast and stuff and you know they there was one or two games in between four that weren't like mainline entries and the formula was getting a bit dated in terms of like the kind of tank controls and the pre-rendered backgrounds so four found a way to update it a bit 
have it like fully 3D and like how, how do you make like a lot of the tension kind of comes from having a, a fixed camera angle with a pre-rendered background but then you've got these really awkward time controls but mm. they were able to kind of like create a lot of tension in those moments because there's things out of the frame and it was how do you recreate that tension in a game but update it a bit with like mm. fully 3D environments and stuff so that was that was one of the things that 4 did really well uh, effectively like in, in terms of story it's it's some type of parasite but for all intents and purposes, you're up against some type of zombie enemy. Um, but four kind of takes you through a village and the kind of surrounding parts in the village, so like a spooky church and things like that. And then you go from the village to a castle and then from a castle to a, um, kind of a, a island facility. It's kind of a bit more industrial, but those are the kind of three main locations. And I had a really fantastic... Uh, weapon upgrading system and this merchant character who you'd kind of buy upgrades from and um, really make the, the series kind of replayable. Five was okay. Five five wasn't awful. It just kind of built on four quite a bit. It was a lot shorter of a game. Six was a mess. And then seven was where they changed it up quite a bit. And it's a first person view and it's set in the swamps in Louisiana. And eight is a continuation from that. But so eight builds on the kind of first person stuff in seven, but it brings in a lot of the, the kind of fan favorite stuff like the the weapon upgrading and things like that. And then the setting is in a village and mostly kind of, uh, kind so of let gothic me ask you castle then, and stuff. Is is there a is there a narrative through line through the entire series at this point, or are they different stories? There is, and Am, are you playing a character in eight that is somebody in in eight? In eight, you're playing a character from. So when seven came out, seven looked like it was going to be a complete departure. It looked like they were going to abandon a lot of the, the kind of series lore and things like that. And by the time you get to the end of it, you realize it is still very much set in the the world of of Resident Evil. And kind of mild spoilers, but this mainline character, Chris Redfield, he's, he was the he was one of the two playable characters in the very first game. He appears at the end of seven. Jeez, I played. I don't even remember. Yeah, and uh, he's in he's in Resident Evil Eight as well. So you're playing as the main character from Seven is a character called Ethan Winters. Um, it's first person view, so you never get to see him. So he's very much like a, a player. Um, you are you proxy. Are yeah, yeah. 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 To, to the point where there's cutscenes where they're outside of your first person view. Um, and they're still hiding like the character's face and stuff, and mm. it, it's kind of unnecessary. So you're playing as Ethan Winters in seven. He's back in eight, but Chris Redfield is also back, and there so is still a did, through line did from seven. Did seven roll straight into eight, or is it three years later and now he's been asked to go and investigate uh, this village? Three, or... three years later, I think. Um, did I just hit, did, I, did I make that up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I think it is three years later, but he he's very much he's supposed to be kind of like a an everyman character. Okay. In seven, he's just looking for his wife. He's gone missing, Where and then in ace, in ace, it's set three years later, um, and he gets dragged back into things. Right. Is it the same village or is it a different village? Different. So uh, seven was set in like kind of a swamp, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Eight is set in an unnamed Eastern European village. Okay. And and yes, so far, like it, it's 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 got everything that was good about seven, and it's brought in then a lot of the fan favorite stuff from four in terms of the village and the weapon upgrading system and things like that. So um, that's pretty much what I was expecting. I was like, I hope it's 
I hope it's basically seven, but with the best parts from four. And so far, that's that's what it looks like. Cool. So and then the, the, the narrative that I'm getting from it is, you know, um, kind of vampire focused rather than zombie focused. Um, I think you did explain the, the, to me the, before the, the, that there's it's... always yeah there's, it's always a virus or a parasite or something causing phenomena that tends to resemble look like supernatural werewolves, zombies yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah so sometimes they shoehorn it in but that's that's Japanese sci-fi horror for I know. it's 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 goofy it's it's fun and mm. um, sometimes it'd be better if they just you know it doesn't really dilute it it's just it it, it doesn't necessarily need it in a small to way. always be connect yeah to always connect to the the kind of series lore but i appreciate that they they try to <laughs> okay i'm so i'm frustrated i'm going uh, back to work on monday because uh, not that i'm frustrated to be going back to work it's great and i'm, I'm lucky but uh i wish they released that game like two weeks ago because <laughs> i will not have time to buy it or to play it so i won't buy it for a while Okay, so I'm and congratulations on going back to work. Stay safe. Uh, wear your masks. Uh, Wash hands. And social distance. Be sure to tattoo from two meters away. Yes. Um. So I guess um as we proceed, I don't know if it'll take more than one week, but we'll um, check in with Brian again on his progression with Resident Evil Eight. Uh, and see how he's enjoying it. One of the things I saw during the week that I got kind of enthusiastic about whether or not I ever do anything with it is um, the trailer for Nintendo's Game Builder Garage. I've still never heard of um, this. It's just a trailer that dropped on like Wednesday for a game and it... I don't work in programming. I don't do any programming. But I've done a few like, you know, intro workshops and courses and stuff that kind of introduce the concept of like, you know, the phrase is like, if this, then that. So if this happens, this action occurs Mm -hmm. um and they've taken that logic and made a very user-friendly by the looks of it very cartoony like here's tommy joystick and here's susan character and here's billy block and here's like they've made it very kid-friendly you bring an action node onto the screen you drag it to the character you want to affect and the controller you want to do it so it looks like you know if i move the stick to the right this action occurs to this character so you're creating very in a very like kid friendly by the numbers user interface mm-hmm. basic game programming right so you're it's a great idea yeah it's a great idea and by the looks of it you can draw and insert your own assets so you you're designing the game that goes into it mm-hmm. and the trailer they put out showed a fairly comprehensive set of um tools with which to build games and the goal i assume in the same way that like mario world maker or mario maker or whatever it was was that you they develop a little marketplace so i'm sure you'll be able to buy assets and buy people's games and share um stuff in the community and honestly i i haven't got a nintendo switch and i'm always on the edge of it where i'm like i know they're going to upgrade this thing soon and that's been going on for two or three years at this point. They're about to update it. So I'm, I'm kind of afraid of buying one at this point. I, I would hold out because I, they they almost always use Zelda to launch the mm. console. And there's a Breath of the Wild 2 sequel that we haven't seen anything about in 
over a year, I think, since we last saw anything. We haven't had any news about it, and I wouldn't be surprised if when we next hear about it, it's going to be to launch the Switch Pro or something yeah. like that. So I would, at this point, hold out. <laughs> you, you can be guaranteed that when you buy it, they'd, they'd, there's one coming soon because there's a Zelda game in the pipeline. And what what's often happened in the past is they've had a Zelda game coming up and then the Zelda game comes out on the older, so like on, I think it was Twilight Princess, came out on the GameCube and the Wii, but it was originally developed for the the GameCube. And then Skyward Sword was on the Wii and the Wii U. And I think the new Zelda game, like Breath of the Wild was supposed to be on the Wii U and got delayed so that it could launch on the Switch, but it was on the Wii U as well. But it, it yeah, so essentially, there's a Zelda game yeah. in the works, so that means there's a console coming up. Well, this, this Game Builder game is slated for, I think, November for release. Are you looking at the trailer? I see a lot of head shaking. No, take the knife out of your hand. Oh my God, it's going in your mouth. It's going into your <laughs> face. I am, I am shitting myself. This is, stop, Aiden. I don't know why you have a standing knife. There was <laughs> Stop, put really? it down. Yeah, it's making me really uncomfortable. It's horrible. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to break your thing, but I was just like, oh, it's getting worse. He has two knives! <laughs> two knives. <laughs> Aiden, stop. Put them really? down. Kevin's got OCD, so you're, you're killing him. <laughs> huh? <laughs> I said, Kevin is OCD, so you're, you're killing oh. him right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so funny. Back. I was watching you just, like, have an emotional reaction to everything Brian was saying. It's just like, yeah, Zelda. Zelda, I love Zelda, Nintendo, oh yeah, yeah, and it's really, you're just freaked out by the fact that I'm playing with a little Stanley Stanley Blade, okay. Which you still are doing. I'm not going to stop, it's, okay, hold on, I'll get a pen. Yes, Um, thank you. So yeah, Game Builder Garage looks fun, I saw somebody saying that it seems to be a, like, a pulled out component from the Labo thing, was like a mini game in there that they've sort of expanded on, it looks fun, Um, I'm curious how complex you can get with it um uh are people what was the hmm? i was gonna say are people like you know where people mod lies of gta and stuff like obviously they probably did as pc and not playstation or whatever i don't know do people mod games on switch could this could this be something people mod i don't i don't know about i don't think people i don't think people mod games on switch but there's a couple of games on switch that allow for creativity and building your own levels mm-hmm. and they've got communities based around that like if you look at some of the mario maker games that people have made Mm. like the levels for mario that they've they've put together they're ludicrous they're yeah, ludicrous yeah. things i've and seen them ridiculous. I, don't you need to be able to pass the level as well before you can yeah, upload it but you see videos yeah. of people so, passing these things and you're like well that's fucking mental well, that's what i'm saying yeah like it's it's i've seen bonkers levels that's created cool. in it but it is possible um so i'm kind of looking forward to that and i think it might be the thing that makes me buy a switch and i'm hoping uh I don't. I think E3 is an all digital event this year. I'm not sure. I don't think they're having a an event, and Nintendo always does its own thing anyway. But they tend to make some announcements around the same time as E3. We get a direct, a Nintendo direct thing. So, I'm curious to see what what's happening in the next coming months. So that's going to bring us then off of my list of nonsense, um, to the thing we said we'd watch a bit of this week, which is Jupiter's Legacy. And um, I guess the first thing to ask is, did you get a chance to watch Jupiter's Legacy? Yes. 
right? I mean, yes. I, I didn't like it, so I didn't get into it. So, did you watch? Did you watch one episode or two episodes? I tried watching two, but look when when you cast a young man to play an old character, and then you give him a Santa Claus beard at the start, and he's backlit from the sun, and it makes his beard look super oh, duper yeah. fake. In the opening scenes, I find it really hard <laughs> to tune in. It's like, I know his beard's fake. That's fine. That's fine. Don't backlight him. Don't have him standing in front of a sunset so I can see how stupid his beard looks. I, I was looking at the hair. Right away, I'm just like, oh, I was looking at the God. hair on his head because um, my hair is about that length. And if I'm outside, it is not rock solid at the top. And and and, <laughs> and kind of just like sitting, it, bell form it moves, yeah, around him, and it's just it's one of these things that just makes something look cheap. And I do, I I went up and down on Invincible to say that I doubt that it's cheap. It's just not even bad decisions, but just an unfortunate decision. I I, I, I yeah, like I, I kind of want to, because I, I, I was dumping on it all fucking week. Or number of weeks but like invincible clearly has like talented artists working on it but there's just either not enough time well, i mean money is time basically so I'd, I'd imagine more so than than it being cheap it's that there's a really tight time constraint it it, it just feels rushed a bit rushed more than anything but yeah. so we know there's money we know there's netflix money we know there's ironhead studios costumes going into this thing but if you don't in the same way that they are going into DC and Marvel movies as well. But if you don't use them right, they look just as plastic and rubbish as anything fucking else going into things. And yeah, they, I think when he's sitting down to talk to the kids in the first time, because the shoulder unit, whatever way it's padded or whatever the hell else is just not connected to him, he just got this little fucking pencil neck in... Like, he looks like Earthworm Jim is, is what it looks like mm-hmm. floating in that suit. And... I know I'm just picking a bullshit and I want to get into the story a bit of it. Did did Kevin, did you enjoy it? Did you watch it? Um, I watched it. I watched uh, maybe one, two episodes. I think I fell asleep during the third, not for any particular reason other than I was tired. Um, guys, it's very different in the book. And I think, I'm not too sure how they came from the book, which had very, very strong foundations and just like a good solid storyline to the approaches that they took with the show. It's very... I think like Miller always writes his stuff almost with adaptation in mind. Like it, it, it's it's always written in a way that he knows exactly his his model now. Basically, is like he creates a story outline for something because he knows exactly what type of. I mean, like a lot a lot of the MCU is based on his his ultimate stick. Yeah. You know, like he knows how to write stuff for TV production yeah. that can be adapted. Yeah, you know, so it's it's very strange. So we open meeting the children as kids seeing Utopian delivering his code that which he lives by and giving the lecture to the kids. And it's a pretty, like, it's a nice little scene. The kids are really happy and clearly love their father and he wants to go and get ice cream with them, but he puts the job above the kids and leaves them there in in the woods walking home themselves. Um, It does exactly what it needs to do and it shows that sort of, um, what's the word, the the sidelining of his parental responsibility for his career just such as it is um 
it is weird to think that the kids are in their 20s, the parents are in their 90s, so like somewhere around about 85 years old, Granny got pregnant. The only thing aging is the hair by the look of it. Yes, yeah. yeah. But that's the thing, like, obviously they've, they're aging a lot slower mm. because they have superpowers. But like, just... Like, Josh Duhamel's probably... 45? Early, mid-40s. Just have him just have him look like a 45 year old and say actually like just yeah just just have him look like himself and say he's actually 90 and we go oh wow so that's his powers instead he just looks like a guy in old man makeup and not not good old man makeup either like he he looks it's just hair it's just wig it, and it, beard it, looks fucking shit it, it, it reminds me of when they did the the hobbit in 48 frames a second and it just it looked like a, a stage production it's like ian mckellen is very <laughs> Like this, Ian McKellen is wearing so much old man makeup as as Gandalf, and it just it looked like Ian McKellen is dressed up as a wizard as opposed to being a wizard. It it, it looks like cosplay, and it's the same thing. It, it looks like Josh Duhamel is dressing up as an old person. It would just make so much more sense to say, like, do what they do with Bucky and Cap, and say, yeah, you know, they're actually ninety, and you go, oh right, okay, cool. So they're aging a lot slower. I get it. Just give them grey hair. Give them, give them their real hair, but it's stupid. There's there's a thing happening, like, and it's not happening in the Marvel costumes. They're just making the fucking Marvel costumes. But his he had a he had a white suit in the comic book. Just give him the fucking white suit. Why is there like cosmic glyphs oh, and see, shit on the, it? It's just it's the etchings he has, his visions of, isn't it? But it's I'm I'm I know I'm. I'm really fucking picking at production design and stuff. Uh, well, I would I, I would say because like I read the comic like uh, William Torres is that the guy who did the fir- the the prequel books? Wilfredo. Alfredo Torres. Wilfredo Torres. But um, his comic designs for that for like a particular era are so nice and stuff. You know, they're really really beautiful and like the designs in the book, uh, they're kind of they're they're basic but they're not really complicated. And I, as you said, it feels like they overcomplicated it, and there was no need. So and some of the stuff doesn't like obviously it's based heavily off the comic book, but it actually works better in the book than the the they kind of they kind of tried to push it too far in, on the TV show almost. Their their crotches look very strange. They're very angular. Have you noticed that? I have noticed the cod pieces. Um, yeah, they're really blocky. I'm just having a look at some of Frank Quitely's drawings of this stuff just to sort of by comparison it. Um, also, um, do you know just to say, do you know the Black Star, the evil guy? Yes. Uh, Darkstar or Blackstar I can't remember his name and okay. uh, his son kills him yeah doesn't happen in the book at all so I have no idea where they're going to take that storyline yeah see I'm, I read the first couple of issues of the book and I, I don't know if I I moved or I stopped buying comics for a while or whatever mm. um, I didn't get the rest of the like I don't know what the arc of this is I should probably read it um, but taking the show on its merits um, the son struggling to live up to the father's thing is I like it. I feel sorry for him. Mm-hmm. Um, him overhearing his father going, I don't think he's ready and I don't think he ever will be. And having that as a repetitive thing running through his head and the uncle who's able to hear the thoughts hearing this running through the kid's head. I like that a lot. The daughter is too much and they needed to rein that back in because um, she's just running through scenes. She, like She doesn't even have that many scenes, but she's just... Did, did we- you know what's so weird? She looks awful in the comic books. Like Frank quietly 
they gave her a strange haircut. And this is actually the book that kind of won me over in terms of his aesthetic, but uh, gave her a really strange haircut. And of all the things to be comic accurate in any comic book adaption, they went with her bloody haircut. I don't think it's the show's biggest problem. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's, well, you both like Speed Racer, so you can go fuck off. We're only winding up, Kev. You're a piece of shit. Brian, Aiden, take out the knives. <laughs> Play with them all you fucking want. I'm going. Put the knife back. Oh, he's touching his eyebrow with it. Um, the show, I, I, to be honest, it's not as kind of, uh, is it as cheap? I, the aspects of it are cheap, I guess, yeah. Um, I, 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 I want to avoid the word cheap. I just yeah, I do. I do want to avoid the word cheap. Because cheap is, cheap I like, is a, I, I think, a word in review that means nothing, adds nothing to it. But it, it's it's very soap opery. It feels very like, um, there's definitely the arrow moments. The guy wheels in a wheelchair and sees his daughter there and literally does the are you alright moment which I want to think of better things to say than just bad but like Leslie Bibb goes to put on her son's tie and I'm like I don't think I've ever had anybody put a tie on me is that is that a thing that happens someone showed me how to tie a knot and then I tied the knot and then it's such a script writing trope I've done don't here let I've, me do that for you and I've done ties loads, a tie for somebody. I've done loads of ties for the people but I can't do them on I them mean, I have to take it off and put it on myself yeah yeah a more I mean, pure you're asking memory. somebody no to tie a tie it. backwards yeah <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say also. Um, uh, do you know the, Do you know the, the big man in it? Big man or big boss they called him, and he had like the glowing skull, and he met the guy in the bathroom. He met Sky Fox's son in the bathroom. Sky Fox's son has a crazy mohawk, and he met Is him. That in episode the bathroom. three. You mean Star Fox? Sky, Star Fox. No, Sky Star? Fox. There's, there's a Star Fox video game as well, Nintendo. But there's a Star. There's Thanos's brother. Or son. Oh, the, the guy who loves everybody. Or he's meant... And he's like a charmer. He's awful. He's basically... Uh, yeah. He's got the power of, like, charisma, basically. He's in the She-Hulk comics because he gets pulled up for sexual harassment, which is a really weird storyline. Um, I heard an interesting rumor about that character, too. So, I don't know. Should I, should I, should I say it here? If it's rumor... It's not a spoiler, it's just supposition. I mean, it's a spoiler if it's true. But we don't know that it's true. It's un, it's unverified. Let's yeah. go for it. So, well, there's going to be a She-Hulk TV yeah. show. Um, David E. Kelly producing. It's a legal drama. There's a dancing CG baby. Callista Flockhart's playing the Hulk. That's yeah. a dynamic deal. There's a rumor oh, sorry. that they are going to introduce Star Fox in The Eternals. There's a rumor that that so, character is going to appear in the Eternals. Is he an Eternal? In the yeah, he is he Thanos' son Good. or brother? Tan- he, he is Thanos. He's spacey and he's Thanos' son and brother. Yeah, I remember he used the Wolverine haircut and the white and red suit. Thanos isn't a Celestial, but he was made by the Celestials. He's a remember? Titan. So there's there's concept a, art of he, he's from the planet Titan, but he, he's got he's got the he's got the deviant gene so the celestials created humans yeah, eternals and deviants and thanos isn't a deviant but he has the deviant gene but is he celestial too then i can't remember but anyway basically the eternals is going to be about the celestials and stuff and um yeah because it deals with that stuff with eternal celestials deviants and thanos had a deviant gene um, Star Fox is going to be introduced 
possibly in an Ed Granite scene in Eternals. Interesting. Okay. But different from the Guy Fox that Kevin is talking when, about. When you're at the point that you're like you're not just suggesting this is a rumor you see well you are suggesting this is a rumor but you've put it to the point where it's possibly like a sting or an end credit scene um is there any casting suggestion no, no casting yet no not that um, i've heard because no. there's still that loose end on guardians with um adam warlock i know i'm dying well. for that um but we've we've yeah we've they didn't really know what they were doing there i think that's the yeah. thing was it russo's we've, or is that gun that was gun We've bounced off of um, Jupiter's Legacy. We're two episodes in. Josh Duhamel, who's not Josh Lucas, and Josh Lucas is not Matthew McConaughey, even though you could be convinced. And he's not Timothy Oliphant. He's not Timothy Oliphant. He's not Timothy Oliphant. Also, they should have just cast Timothy Oliphant because he looks appropriately old. Yeah, but I would young. say Timothy Oliphant no? saw the beard and decided against it. Yeah, but why would you want to cover half of his face? Why would you cover his face? Yeah. Why would you cover half of his face? He's a beautiful. We're talking about Oliphant now, not Duhamel. The flashback stuff... Duhamel's ugly. <laughs> He's very emotional, actually. He cries a lot. The flashback stuff in the 30s is pretty good. Yes, we see, fair to that's it, the yeah. stuff I liked in the comic. So, the original run, we just say it was, like, kind of... At the start of the story, they're fighting that Black Star, Dark Star guy or something, right? Well, that, but that, that, that's Starbucks. a Miller attempt at, like disassembled or a, 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 a oh well, there's a word i'm thinking of i can't think of it but th- there's a, a a new interpretation or a reimagining or a, a sideways look at the concept of superheroes in a contemporary society what does the second deconstruction third generation, deconstruction thank you what does the third generation or second generation superhero do in a society based around uh, uh celebrity. celebrity and social media and that's cool and that that was the original intent of jupiter's legacy as I understand it, the fact that they managed to set up some really nice golden age superheroes and leave a door, back door open to go back and do the stuff that you like, the Wilfred Torres yes, stuff, yeah. um, is kind of an aside. And you're responding very sincerely to a natural love of golden age superheroes. I know, um, yeah. And well, it's unless funny you tell me it... that that stuff is as sort of sideways and messed up, or is it just straight superhero stuff? In the in the comics, yeah. Uh, is it straight superhero stuff at that point? Uh, the prequel stuff, no. Mm, it's no. it's far. Oh, okay. It's 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 like, uh, it's no. It's more like the, the dynamics between the superhero group. Uh, one fella leaving his wife. One person uh, being blackmailed by J. Edgar Hoover, I think it is, for being a homosexual. Uh, and he's in Hollywood. It's uh, you know, there's there's all this th- different things about it, you know. But it's really Hoover. Yeah, but it's really really good, man. It's so good, like. If they do that in the show, I'd be really interested in that to do it. But there's a scene in the comics between, I'm really confused now, Scarf, Sky Fox uh, and J. Edgar Hoover. That's very, very good. But the, the Golden Age stuff in the comic, it's beautifully drawn, beautifully designed. Uh, I can encourage you guys to check it out. But it's uh, it's great. And that's actually just show, I, that's the aspects of the show I like more. Probably more like yourself, Aiden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I just think that that stuff... That stuff they've just set so far in as a period drama. Like we're, we've not seen anything superheroic or nonsensical happening there yet. They've just done a pretty decent um, post Great Depression company trying to, you know, you figure know, out what to do. Yeah, wait, do you watch episode um, three? The first two episodes set up superheroes in uh, 
contemporary superheroes, their uh, runaway children, and a uh, a son that wants to have the father's approval, but uh, might be sliding down a dark path. And I think it's really a lot of um, setting up in those first two episodes anyway. Um, the Dark Star guy looks comic book accurate, but looks funny. Yes. <laughs> Leslie Bibb? I'm always surprised when she pops up. She was in Popular. I loved her in Popular. And, and Iron Man. Re- and Iron everyone Man, yes. remembers Popular. I love Popular. Everyone I love Popular remembers Leslie Bibb remembers Popular. But that was, that was 2001 yeah, to probably, 2004 or something. Probably. I like Popular. Yeah. It was it it I mean I guess I liked it, kind it. Of, it kinda of had a glee kinda of was what glee was in terms of what's his name, the guy that runs those shows? Kind of a Ryan Murphy. Ryan Murphy. I just mean in the sense that it was a kind of another sort of coming of slightly, age teen drama. Slightly Yeah, but it was a slightly sarcastic or acerbic or a dark mm-hmm. take on more cynical. Yeah, more a more cynical take on that sort of thing. So it it um did something slightly different. But I was just remember thinking when I was watching it going, oh yeah, Leslie Bibb, yeah, she is working. I mean, she was in Iron Man as well. And then I went, oh wait, that was 2008 and I don't know what she's done in 12 years. <laughs> Iron Man 2? Iron Man 2, 2010, yeah. Okay. Sam, it's just a quick side note. Sam Rockwell in Iron Man 2 is actually one of the biggest redeeming factors of it. It's like when he's on screen, he's enjoyable. Uh, so that really made that movie... I, I, I can't imagine like say enjoying that movie without him he is just brilliant he is Rockwell's got a lot of charisma I, I didn't enjoy it oh I love him and I was no like I love him but uh yeah no, the film sucked I was annoyed because he's so great in Charlie's Angels mm. I was like I can't wait to see him in Iron Man 2 mm. it's gonna be cool and then they barely used him I like Charlie's Angels it's I fun. like I liked him as this um because I remember Justin Hammer from like the comics and from the cartoons as a skinny old white man and being all like conservative and stuff. Um, and it was funny to see him as the take was just like... Poor man's Tony Stark. Like uh, poor man. I was going to say like Penny's Tony Stark. I, um, I love the the fake tan in his hands. Such a great touch. <laughs> yeah, he's so good. I was, when I was watching first, I was like, how, how do they let that slip it was like that looks so bad it's like oh wait no i'm assuming like i've never read it anywhere but I, i'm assuming it's deliberate but he's got if you look at his hands he's got fake tan on the palm of his hands and it looks awful and i just kind of assumed i'm sure it is yeah 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 i'm, I'm assumed it's a character thing that he, he yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but when i saw in the cinema first it was like that looks so bad why why didn't anyone catch that it's like oh wait that's right yeah, yeah, he's awful. But the thing, the thing is, though, he Sam Rockwell would make a great character in a Marvel or the MCU. I just, I don't know who, but like Star Fox. Well, but, uh, unfortunately, he's he's used Justin Hammer. Yeah, I mean, Gemma Chan is playing two different characters in the MCU, so he can play someone else. Yeah, Alfred Gemma Woodward played two. She's in the Eternals, and she's in Captain Marvel. She's Minerva in Captain Marvel. She's blue. And as a sniper rifle. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, well, yeah. Yeah. Can't expect I mean, me to remember somebody who's blue. It's Why would you not remember somebody that's blue? They're blue. Okay, so there are eight episodes of Jupiter's Legacy. It, I think it's safe to say that while the book is much loved and the art's great, Frank Whiteley stuff's great. And quite, Torres uh, is brilliant. Wilfred Torres stuff is, you know, depending Beautiful. on your taste, you've got two uh, ends of a spectrum to look at there. This show so far is not great. 
I'm going to watch the rest of them. I'm two episodes in. I will get to episode eight. We'll see how we feel. Like, if I'm able to watch fucking six seasons of Arrow, I can watch eight episodes of Jesus. Jupiter's Legacy and see where we get. Why did you do that to yourself? Um, That Stephen Amell is just dreamy. Even my dad um, got fed up with the Arrow. I think he, he dropped out. Couldn't stick it. I have to watch the Superman show that they've done. Um, I don't like Tyler that guy as Superman. No? Um, he has an evil face. Do. Oh, all right. Kind of, kind of does have those, like Ty Burrell vibes, but that might just be the eyebrows. It's funny because he he voices the the main bad guy in the new, in the remake of Final Fantasy VII. Really? And he he does a great. So like, yeah, he he he's got good villain energy. Yeah, but he looks <laughs> like a villain. He doesn't look like Superman. Funny enough, though, is, is it uh is it George Newbern was also the voice of. Superman at one point. The, the guy who did the voice of Superman in the animated Superman show. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I think it's George Newburn, I think his name is. He voiced Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII a couple of years ago. Okay. And now they've got a new voice actor, but it's Tyler, I don't know how to pronounce his surname, is it Hoechlin or Hecklin? Um, he is now voicing Sephiroth also. So the two people who have played Sephiroth have also played... Superman, Superman at some oh, stage. Crazy. It's just a funny coincidence. I'll stick with it. I should probably check out that Superman thing. Do we want to talk about the Superman casting stuff at all? Oh yes. Okay. So, like, what what is that story? Is that just a rumor that came out of nowhere? Is that an actual announcement from Warner Brothers? I think that's the plan. They announced it on Henry Cavill's birthday that they're going to go. So they're announcing that the next Superman that they that's not true. for a live action adaptation is going to be an African American guy. They they didn't announce anything on his birthday. Oh, that's what I read. That's not oh, true. That's what I heard. No, it's not true. Okay. Fair. That was just fake angry news. Snyder fans. Yeah, just those losers. But they, that's right, they, I said so, okay, it. So yeah, Loser. what's the story? This Somebody guy? fill me in on this story. It's not it's not Clark Kent. No, it's Clark Kent. Okay. As far as I know. Okay. It's um Abrams is producing. Uh-huh. Tanahisi Coates is writing, okay. and the story is is that they're looking for a black director okay. and a black actor. But they haven't cast as as a Superman. Who would you like to see? But who would you like to see play him? Don't really care. There was a rumor it would be Michael B. Jordan, but he's turned it or he's denied it. But that can all change. He's also though like kind of he's he's in everything though, isn't he? Yeah. Is he? Well, like he's in, he's like he's in a lot of franchises. He's in he's Rocky. Fantastic yeah. He's in Tom he's Clancy. In he's in Rocky. Marvel. Yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. He's making hay. Oh, yeah, look, I think he's brilliant. I actually really, I, I think he is a great actor. And I, and, oh, and he was in. I just, th- I just twice. think that to try and reach for a Superman casting at this point, like I don't actually have a list of appropriately aged actors to put in that role in my head. I don't know. If the, I don't, like even when I say who are you going to cast as Superman, I know they need a young dude, usually in his late twenties, so that they can think franchise wise and go to ten year. Because Marvel on it. always goes for kind of guys in their late thirties, early forties to play their superheroes. Um, is that true? Yeah, Danny Jr. Like, was a big name, so they got a big name. Paul Rudd. Yeah. Ed, Ed Norton. I don't know if that's true necessarily that they need somebody necessarily that young. You don't think? I don't think they do. No, they. Like it depends on what story they want to tell. If if they sure. want to do him as a teenager in Smallville, 
like they, they've done the origin too recently so i don't think they'll go that route again yeah. so who knows what they're going to do with it i think uh, like they, they, they don't need to cast somebody young if they want to show him in high school and then in metropolis mm. and then continue forward do you, do you think um what's his name john david washington could be anybody yeah yeah really don't care yeah. you don't care well, that that's it, it as in like I, like it's too far away i don't care i don't care that they're i think it's great that they're casting um a black actor if they do that's a great way to look at like one of the most interesting parts about superman is that he's this he's an outsider mm. you know so like it doesn't make a difference if they cast a black actor yeah, he's, or not, he's an know, alien. it's it's, it's He's an alien. Like it's yeah. Anybody who's got a problem with that is also a loser. Um, yeah. But like I, I'd rather a good Superman movie. I don't care who or what who plays or what they look like plays Superman. I'd rather a good Superman movie than a fucking stinker like Cider. You know, at the end of the day, none of it matters. It's like let's just get human beings to make a great movie that I enjoy the story and the characters and I can empathize with them. You know that kind of way. It's just like I don't care. But make make it make as many movies and try as many things as you want. I'm up for it. You'll get my money. I'll be happy. And if they're hits, great. You know. Yeah, I I know it's a slightly different like because we've hit we kind of just said it there. It doesn't matter who the fuck ultimately plays him. Um, I said to you guys yesterday that like you know James Bond English super spy has has been played by a Scotsman, an Irishman, a Welshman, and an Australian before it got back to being an English person like. Mm it doesn't matter who the fuck plays the role as long as the film's decent you know mm, mm. yeah it's a funny one because if someone kind of does say like oh well kind of the frustration <laughs> is the the little bit of frustration is that what I love about the Marvel Universe is a sense of even if it is fractured and wobbly and crumbling in places there is a sense that they're trying for a cohesive entity moving forward as a whole and DC is just batshit fucking crazy all over the place. Now, you kind of touched on it there, Brian. JJ is involved now. And did I see somewhere suggesting that they're letting him have the guiding hand on the DC franchise going forward? I'm not sure. I mean, who, who, like, who knows? It all depends on how it pans out. I know he was supposed to direct a Superman movie years ago as well. And that didn't play out. But now they've decided to go ahead with him but there's no real plan there at the moment it'll all depend on how it's and how successful it is really yeah dc are funny i guess you know it's like it's like it's a you know obviously it's it's big news um but uh it's like it's as brian said it's like it's so early to tell it's almost mm. not news yeah it's like it's, it's like it's essentially kind of, not news yeah it's like basically what they're telling us is we decided to go for a black superman and that's all the information they have and it's just like all right cool while we're still on comic stuff, I guess it's worth noting um, John Paul Leon died uh, yes, over the week. Um, he, he would not have been a name that I would know specifically. Um, so I don't want to, you know, I don't know, grief bandwagon jump on or whatever. Yes, well, same, um, yeah, yeah. I was not overly familiar with it. But that's true of comic books. There's so many artists working, doing amazing work. And yeah. the the anybody passing at such a young age is, is tragic and go and look at his work it's absolutely Beautiful. gorgeous John Paul oh, Leon's yeah. comic book work is stunning 
yeah, I was following absolutely amazing was, stuff. Yeah, I was following on Instagram, but I was probably on only on the basis of seeing like one or two images. I was like, oh, that's cool, and follow. You know, uh, I wasn't really aware of who he was either, to be honest. But uh, God, his artwork is beautiful and it's tragic. It's it's a it's such an odd industry that like I can pick up ten any ten of the stack of comics I have here and. It'll be 10 random artists that drew three comics and then went, this fucking industry is crushing and I can't work in it. And they went somewhere else and did, you know, whether it's illustration or storyboarding or film or something else. The amount of like attrition fall off of people that think they want to draw comics and then meet the deadlines, meet the wages, meet whatever, and then disappear. This is just by way of me saying there's a such a pool of talent out there in the world and um, I'm... My only disappointment is I, I didn't know his work before he died, and it's he, great to see it. I believe he I believe he was a mentor to Bernard Chang. Bernard Chang is a great artist who's doing stuff with the New Children of the Atom book. I think it is. Uh, I'm reading that at the moment. Or I'm, I'm you know I'm reading that as it comes out. Uh, I believe Bernard posted something. I think it's in Bernard Chang posted something uh, just recently, like as in the last day or two, kind of talking about. Is it John and uh, yeah, his mentoring and how kind of the different things and stuff. Um, it is sad. I also somebody was saying recently. I don't know what comic book artist it was. We're talking about kind of people coming into the industry nowadays and being really disheartened really fast. It's like kind of they're really struggling with the concept of you're not going to draw Superman, uh, you know, off the, uh, uh, straight out of college. You know, you're not going to draw Superman. Um, you will be. You will be potentially working on like maybe three or four pages a week from different books because you need to do work, you know, and people does and like and students dropping out uh, or quitting even before they get started because it's just not what they want. They want to, they want to do a job Batman. They want to be famous. There was a tweet from I think it's PJ Holden. He's a, I think he's a Scottish comic book artist. Maybe he's yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it just said, uh, I think it was PJ Holden, but it's just as like, it's funny how a comic book artist goes from breakthrough to workhorse to veteran to legend without ever making much more money per page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, Awful, yeah. So let's draw this to a close then. Um, I'm going to watch the rest of Jupiter's Legacy. If not all of it, uh, a few yeah. more episodes this week. We'll come back and we'll talk about it. Yeah. Brian, you same homework. Um, grin, and, grin and bear. Um Brian's being very profound now. Uh, your love of the hairstyling in the show is going to carry us through in terms of our salty reviews. Um, Leslie Bibbs, grey wig. Great. I mean, all the grey hair is designed to make people look as attractive as possible, but older. <laughs> it just doesn't it's work. It's so weird. It's so weird. It's so um, weird. It just doesn't quite work. Um, also, as well, like the... It, it's just... I know... It's a small little detail, but like... You know, if you if you manage to have hair when you're that age, it is white more than grey. Mm. Okay. Um. So that that like that's accurate, but it looks bad when you put it on. <laughs> Very clearly, young people like it would have made more sense to go with grey, with like a kind of a ash, silver grey as opposed to the the white color. It just it just looks costume. It looks so costumey, and it just... I don't have a... Like, this is so funny, because it really has... The whole review of this show has devolved into the hair looks funny. And <laughs> I, I, I think it... It's... You know, it's it kind of emblematic of the show, though, is the thing. Like, it seems like a nitpick, but it, it kind of sums up... It sums up the approach and 
this wasn't where they're paying their the attention yeah. on the show you know yeah. it's not even that it's the wrong color gray but it's that it's rock fucking solid on their heads that's it blue, yeah, you yeah. know it's 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 the same thing i have with the guy who plays john constantine in the in the hellblazer show it's like his tie isn't loosened it is he looks costumed that's the thing it is systematically and always 12 inches down Mm. mid-level between his chest and some costumer is coming or some continuity person makes sure the knot of his tie is down between his nipples every fucking shot and it's like nobody has ever loosened their tie just don't wear a tie then if that's the case that's yeah um but like that that's kind of what i mean by by the hair is that like it's it's it makes it look more unnatural like you're saying it doesn't move it just kind of sits there and it's like yeah if you're lucky enough to have hair at that age it is more white than gray but when you put it on a wig on a person that's clearly not 90 it looks even more fake because yeah it just it it just adds to the fact that it's sitting there not moving and it looks unnatural you know and it's kind of yeah it 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 the it looks as plastic as the fucking shin guards is basically what's going on. you know it, it anyway look we're going to watch the rest of Jupiter's legacy i mean we might I might not. <laughs> It'll be on in the room. Um, you, It'll be on in the background, play probably. Resident yeah. Evil Village Eight or whatever we're calling it. We're holding out to Loki, folks. We're holding out to Shang Chi. Um, there's still a lot to watch. I, there's the Irregulars, right, uh, the Nevers, Shadow and Bone. Those three shows all land at the exact same time and have similar vibes to me. Shadow and Bone is good, actually. I've I've watched Shadow and Bone. Okay. Um, much better than Jupiter's Legacy. Okay. Um, check it out. Might take a couple of episodes to get into, but there's only eight, and it was good. Okay, I, I liked it. I'll have a look at some of that again this week as well. If I, um, up to it. I didn't like the irregular so much though. That's got a Sherlock Holmes I liked that less. connection. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. I didn't like it as much. I couldn't tell you if it's bad yeah. or not, but I didn't like it okay. that much. I'm um, I'm reading something is killing the children. I don't know if you've heard about that. Uh, it's from Boom Studios and it's kind of it's blown up like if you look if you try to find issue one first print it's like already two grand Jesus yeah so I'm reading that book at the moment that's a bubble uh, yeah it's mental uh, so something's I, w- I, wouldn't, the children. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy that for two grand no 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 I, 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 I yeah oh Sweet Tooth's coming out as well yeah so there's a yeah. lot there's a lot coming up yeah I just need something to keep me smiling while I'm shoveling popcorn into my face 